0: just go to cars.com. It's magical. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 49, ALCS Preview. Recorded on October 12th, 2016. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. As always with your hosts, me, Matt Lyons, and Jason Lucart. Jason, how you doing? I'm doing pretty
1: good. Sweeping the Red Sox, ending the career of David Ortiz, home field in the ALCS. Yeah, I'd say I'm doing well.
0: It's hard to pick which one of those is the best right now. I, mean, <laughs> I don't hate David Ortiz, but we've talked about it before. I just hate the the whole yearly celebration thing and it's finally over the indians ended it hooray for us and clinched in boston which is always fun clinching in the opposing city's team or the opposing team city
1: yeah it's, think, uh, it, things have gone well since last we spoke
0: i don't why well, i'm just now thinking of this but if you clinch um on a sweep you're always going to do it in the other team city right in a five or seven game series
1: uh well if you had i mean if you had home field
0: oh that's right yeah you have to have home field to do that Otherwise, it'd be in years. That makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, yes.
1: You'll always cheap. be on the lower seeds field for a sweep.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Anyway, on the actual important things, like you said, um, a lot of good things happened since the last time we talked. We almost timed it perfectly. We are just off by a couple of days because last time we did a recording, of course, was on Monday before the ALDS. Uh, now we're recording after it. And, of course, in game one, the Indians won five to four. That was a nail biter. I don't think I breathed through that whole game. Game two was a little bit different. The Indians blew out the Red Sox. And game three was also close. But, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of worry there because they were up 2 nothing. But we'll talk about a little more. that was. It came right to the wire there, too. So what stuck out for you between those three games?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I think, you know, what stuck out for a lot of people was the bullpen usage. Um, Terry Francona was not shy about going to his bullpen, going to Andrew Miller really early uh, in game one. And, you know, I, there was some talk that, you know, a lot of that was not wanting Bauer to go too deep because they were planning to to bring him back on short rest for Game Four, uh, and and I don't doubt that did play into it. But I think a lot of it is he just felt like you know we got to go for this, and Andrew Miller's our best pitcher. This is the time to bring him in. At the time, I wasn't sure it was the time to bring him in, uh, just because the bases were were empty and there was two outs. Uh, but Miller pitched two innings. Uh, Allen pitched, you know, got five guys out. So. Your two best relief pitchers pitching almost four full innings isn't something that happens a lot. Your best relief pitcher coming into the fifth inning is not something that happens a lot. And then in a lot of ways, game three was really similar to that. Tomlin lasted a little longer than Bauer, but same thing. You know, he went to his best relievers and and went for a game that he thought was winnable. Uh, And, you know, we've talked a lot about the bullpen stuff. So, I mean, I'll let you weigh in. But for me, you know, the bullpen was the big thing. How about you?
0: Yeah, no, I have something else too, but the bullpen... I mean, every, we're all giving Terry Fancona a ton of credit, but I don't think we're giving him enough credit. <laughs> because, I mean, it's a mixture of, it was brilliant the way he did it, and the fact that, I don't really know how much you could do if he kind of tipped his hat he was going to do it. I don't know how you can really plan against somebody using their bullpen this well, but he kind of did it a couple times in the regular season, but he just, like, the pedal to the metal all out with the bullpen in the playoffs, which is really neat to see, because like you said, Andrew Miller coming in really soon. Uh, he pitched four innings total in three games, which was... Almost as much as every other starter, Boston starter. I think it was more than David Price, but just... Yeah, it was more than David Price, the same as Clay Buchholz. In, or no, wow. Well, Buchholz was 4.1 innings. Um, Rick Porcello was exactly 4, I think, and David Price was 3.1. So Andrew Miller, <laughs> just by himself, was better than every Boston starter. It's just amazing how well he used them all. And then Cody Allen, especially Game 3. Oh, man, I got really worried at the end. If, if one or two pitches don't go quite the way they do... Are we talking about that he left Cody Allen in way too long? Because I was already having the idea in my head about, like, I probably wasn't going to write it, but just the fact that Terry Francona overthought it a little, leaving him in so long? Do you think that would have happened if, of, It's I just crazy a little things like that. Closers just don't get pulled in that
1: situation. Uh, you know, while the team head still has the lead, I would love to see how many times this year, uh, you know, an, uh, the guy who's seen as the closer for a team was pulled the came – while his team was still leading it, it's just not something that happens. But yeah, Allen looked shaky. Walked a couple of guy, guys in Game Three, uh, and the Red Sox in the in the eighth inning, uh, you know, they only scored one run, but they were crushing everything. Every out they made was like a hundred ten mile per hour screaming shot that you know was hit right at someone, or in one case was sort of close to Jose Ramirez, and he was able to make a nice play. Um, they were murdering the ball late. Uh, So I wasn't worried about the whole series because, like you said, at the top, the Indians were two games to nothing at that point. Losing wouldn't have been, you know, the end of the world. Um, But I was not confident about that game at the end. And and so, uh, yeah, to me, Miller looked better than Allen, but Allen uh, was was plenty good. And, uh, yeah, you know, those two, I think, pitched like a combined seven innings in those two games. Uh, And that's one of the nice things about the postseason is with the extra days off, uh, you can do something like that. You know, I wrote about how after game one, Miller and Allen both threw 40 pitches, and it's not very often a reliever. I couldn't find a single instance of of an Indians reliever coming back the day after throwing that many pitches, which isn't surprising because a reliever doesn't throw that many pitches that often. Um, But even throwing 25 pitches, you don't see guys back that often. But in the postseason, you're going to get that day off pretty quickly. Uh, and I think Francona obviously understands all of that. Uh, and, you know, given that the, the starting rotation is so hamstring right now, although
0: obviously they did really well, too. Uh, I mean, Francona is the right man for this job right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know you didn't quite quite agree, but just the fact that actually they off in the rain delay. Um, do you think you would have ridden the Cody Allen and Andrew Miller quite as hard in game three if they didn't have that extra day or did that really matter for the bullpen? Yeah, players? I
1: think. He would have. I think, I mean, if anything, it meant that there wouldn't be a day off after game four if it went that far. I don't think the extra day off, I mean, you know, a little more rest for, for, now, I'm sure it didn't hurt. Um, and I didn't think that the extra day off of rest hurt them for game three. I thought it hurt them if they lost game three for the longer the series that went, the, the, the more that postponed it was going to work against them. Um, but for game three, I didn't think it was an issue. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, the big thing is if they had blown that lead in game three you know they still would have been up two games to one but then you're coming back the next day and Miller and Allen would both have thrown a ton of pitches I don't know that either of them would have been available for more than maybe a batter or two in game four um so even though up two to one still would have been a good situation it was a big relief to me just to sweep the series
0: and not have to sweat out of game four with the two best relievers potentially being on the shelf Yeah, weirdly enough, getting a sweep will calm your nerves pretty quickly. (laughs) But outside of the relievers, a thing for me, I don't think a whole lot of people talked about it, uh, was Lindor. Towards the end of the season, he kind of broke out of his slump, but for a long time there, he was really bad. It looked just like fatigue or something. But in game one, he was one for four with a home run. Game two, he was hitless. But game three, again, two for four, no home runs. But he also did have, (laughs) I don't remember if you remember, but I think it was game three, he had a pretty average play. A ball was hit to him, he caught it, he stepped on second, threw it to first. But the TBS announcers were just amazed by it. I think they were just looking for a reason to just say how great Lindor was. And there wasn't really many opportunities for him to make a play. But he finally made maybe a slightly above-average difficulty one, and they were all fawning over him, which I'm okay. I'm all right with paying tribute to Lindor. But (laughs) they got a little desperate there. Um, Yeah, I think the only knock against Terry Francona I would have— is it was weird when he didn't use Brandon Geyer in certain situations? I guess his decision to use Lindor or uh, Chisholm in Game 2 paid off because he homered. But there were other pinch-hit opportunities where I think Geyer would have been good. Uh, but Terry yeah, never there's, a
1: moment in, there's the moment in Game 1 where Chisholm was up. Uh, I can't think. I don't know what inning off the top of my head right now. Maybe like the sixth inning. And Drew Pryman was was in for Boston. and. Yes it would have made sense to bring Geyer in. And when that was pointed out on Twitter and places like that, others were like, well, obviously then, you know, John Farrell is just going to go to the bullpen and, and, and bring in a righty. And it's like, well, yeah, that's true. But forcing <laughs> him to take out, you know, getting further into the bullpen is a good thing. So, yeah, I was surprised by that. Um, but, you know, Chisholm Hall hit, the, hit the big home running game too. Brandon Geyer also great in game two. Uh, so I agree there were a couple little things that were a little shaky. Um, but nothing major, and even the little things that were a little shaky didn't end up hurting the team, and the, the big things you know, paid off in such a huge way. The other guy for me who stood out offensively was Jose Ramirez, uh, who had one or two hits in all three games. Uh, he was playing well already this season. I really feel like, in, and I don't have any numbers in front of me right now, uh, and I haven't talked to Jose Ramirez, believe it or not, <laughs> but I really feel like once he became the everyday third baseman Um, things really settled even in more for him. His defense at third base has looked better and better as the, as the end of the season came along, um, a couple of really good plays and his offense has been great. He's been, you know, he and Carlos Santana have been the team's two best hitters for the last, you know, two plus months now. And he had a really good series. Um, so he's another guy I would, would, would mention. And then I also am obligated to mention, uh, Coco Crisp, who, many of us most of us almost all of us have sort of (laughs) talked about you know not being much of a ball player at this point um and you know when he came up in the sixth inning of game three i said something on twitter about uh because they bunted before he came up and i was like oh yeah anytime you can get a runner in scoring position for coco chris you gotta do it and a couple pitches later boom home run over the monster uh you know and that kind of broke that game open um so that was Coco. I love you. you uh... It's the power
0: of the Luke curse, I'm telling you. It that, 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 <laughs>
1: that, that. can make good things happen, see?
0: <laughs> and of course, or, or no, actually before I get to the most important person in the series, obviously. You mentioned talking to Jose Ramirez. I don't remember if I brought this up on the podcast or not. But he blocked Let's Go Tribe on Twitter. This is an injustice. I don't know when. I don't know... The first time I checked was when we were going back and, back and forth saying you're not about the Angry Hamster nickname. So I'm assuming it was before that. So I don't know why he blocked us. What did you do before I came on board, Jason? Did you no, insult I'm going so to were-
1: say it was you. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I ever <laughs> talked us. about Hothay right. mirrors enough one way or another for him to have even noticed Let's Go Tribe.
0: So maybe that's why. You're just disrespecting him and not talking about him so jose ramirez i know you listen to the podcast so this is a personal apology on behalf of jason screwing up and not talking about you enough please follow us please
1: clear my name by identifying <laughs> what caused you to block the let's go tribe twitter account so that everyone will know it had nothing to do with me
0: because <laughs> the main part is there's stuff he tweets that's funny and i want to retweet it he there was something he deleted but i can't remember i wish i could now really
1: Chamberlain blocked let's go tribe that potentially
0: <laughs> that is wouldn't. all you that is 100% you. But the most important player, of course, in the ALDS, there's no way I'm not going to mention Roberto Perez. We won't talk about games two and three, but game one, holy cow, he <laughs> had that big tag in the first or second inning, um, which, I mean, sort of saved that game, maybe the series, maybe the... Yeah, game. no,
1: I mean, legitimately, like, I mean, let me say yeah. this for you. Because you just sound like you're biased because you have a crush on him. Roberto Perez in game one was fantastic. The tag he made there was a tremendous play. Uh, obviously, definitely saved one run. and might have saved more than one because that inning was off to a really shaky mm-hmm. situation. Uh, there you know, there would have been a guy in scoring position. The inning would have kept going. Boston might have blown the game open right in the first inning. And who knows how anything else plays out. That tag was massive. Uh, yep. and oh yes he also hit a home run that
0: game <laughs> so i'm not biased at all but uh, he had two of the greatest hits i've ever seen in the game of baseball um <laughs> <laughs> and also some of the smartest base running i've ever seen in the hundred years of the sport no but yeah, he got the two yeah, hits and a hit home run first yep. he took second place and kind of a second base and kind of a routine fly ball uh and then was able to score
1: late. He, he he was definitely the player of the game in game one uh And then he drew a couple of walks in game two. I think scored a run in there. Um, Yeah, he had a good series.
0: Yeah, this is basically peak Roberto. (laughs) I think it was Jay that mentioned that. I didn't mean to exactly, precisely predict what Perez would be, but (laughs) I wrote that he would draw a lot of walks. He would run the bases really well. He would play good defense, and occasionally he would hit a home run. And that's like exactly what he did in the ALDS. So I am very happy with Roberto. Um, I think... Would we be okay with getting rid of Chris Jimenez if we ever need a roster spot? Yeah, I mean, that's the
1: thing. I know, you know, they only played three games and the series could potentially go seven. And, uh, but yeah, they had three catchers on the roster and only one of them played a single pitch of the series. So, yeah, I I feel like, you know, there was some talk that, you know, Trevor Bauer did his best work with Chris Jimenez, but Jimenez actually didn't catch most of Bauer's last half dozen or so starts. So I think that. For a while, seemed to be true, but it seems like at some point Bauer was able to kind of let go of that. I think know, the whole catcher thing
0: is pretty much debunked now because Roberto Perez is catching the other catch, or the other pitchers, and they were pitching really well without Jan Gomes. And yeah, so
1: I don't. If you don't think any of those catchers are pinch hitters, which I would understand, um, but yeah, they don't need three catchers. So uh, that said, there's not someone I'm like dying to get onto the postseason roster either. But it does seem a little silly to carry three catchers. Um, and have two guys who literally never got on the field during a game.
0: I think we should give Michael Martinez two spots in the roster. He is that <laughs> important to this season. Just in case, like something happens with one spot, like maybe MLB, like on November first, decides we only have twenty-four spots in the roster. We'll have Michael Martinez in two spots, so we can throw him in the other one.
1: Bro, I'm gonna send like Michael Martin? Martinez for a big moment in the game when he's at back <laughs> so he can make me look foolish by getting a big hit.
0: <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> Maybe he'll put that a sick bunt, or he'll bunt for three foul balls in a row. I don't know. One of those two. (laughs) I don't get it with Michael Martinez. Um, I get that he's the 25th guy, and he fits in the clubhouse or whatever, but is there really nobody better they could have used, even if they don't want to use a rookie like Yandy Diaz?
1: I think the the answer is no. I think there's all this hand-wringing about Michael Martinez being on the roster, but there just honestly isn't. Because here we are talking about should we lose one of the catchers, and we both agree they probably should. But there's also no one him, right? <laughs> either of us thinks should really be replacing one of those catchers.
0: Who would we replace them with? Because, I mean, the, the other answer would have been Salazar, but...
1: <laughs> and Jerry Franco also to used four <laughs> relievers. So, yeah. again, in a seven-game series, you are going to need more than four relievers. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they just they didn't use, like, five or six players on the LDS roster. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, Martinez is is a mild, he's certainly a defensive upgrade over Coco Crisp right now. And that's the way he was used in a couple games. Yeah. Um, I certainly, you know, I, I don't want him up in a big moment in the game. I'd rather they use, you know, Jan Gomes as a pinch hitter. Uh, you know, he at least has some track record of being a successful his, hitter, even if it's mostly a year and a half ago at this point, but I don't know. I I, I can't, I can't muster up the energy to, to flip out about <laughs> Martinez being on the roster the way a lot of Indians fans are.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know about flipping out. I don't get that either. But um, what was I going to say? Oh, it's – I mean, the the whole using four relievers and barely any bench players, I mean, we can kind of say that they weren't – they were tested in the sense that they had to win, but the, the roster wasn't tested in this series, which I think it will be in the next one. So that's going to be one big thing, I think. Because it, it went pretty much as perfect as you can expect playing a really good team they used Andrew Miller as long as they wanted to, and he was good pretty much every bat. Cody Allen was good enough. Uh, Co- Corey Kluber going seven innings. Trevor Bauer, really good. Josh Tomlin, really good. I don't think everybody's going to go that well against the Blue Jays, but it did against the Red Sox, and that's all that really matters right now, I guess. But over a seven-game series, are you worried at all about the Indians' roster not going quite this perfectly?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm... But I'm always worried. I mean,
0: (laughs) that's true. I should never ask you if you're worried. I don't know the answer. Well, I mean, yeah. Are you slightly more worried than usual?
1: (laughs) Um, no, I'm not. I I mean, you know, there's no matter what, there's going to be at least four games, so there's an extra game to work with. Um, and most likely the series is going to go more than four games, and most likely they're going to have to use more than four relievers. But they're going to have had a bunch of days off. You know, they're going to have games one and two and then a day off. And then, they'll, you know, they, Francona has shown he's willing to put a lot of innings on his best relievers. And just because it's a longer series doesn't mean that strategy. You know, you can't do that seven games. But you got to think for better or for worse, a couple of the games are going to be blowouts where you can either get by with, you know, your fifth or sixth reliever because you're already up six runs. And even if you lose a couple of runs, you're still up big. Or you know, Toronto beats the crap out of josh tomlin or something like that and the engines are down a bunch and you just put someone else in to eat some innings and accept that you're going to lose that game it's unlikely all seven games are going to be so close you're going to wish you could rely on just those relievers and if there's five games that are that close you can depend on just those relievers for you know for five games in this in the series so I, I, they're going to use more than five or four relievers at some point one of those relievers Uh, You know, and Brian Shaw already did. At some point, Cody Allen or Andrew Miller is probably going to give up a run. Um, But I'm not that worried about it. Toronto's really good. Uh, Their offense isn't as good as Boston's, but they've got a really good offense, and we'll get into that in a little bit. And they have more rotation depth than Boston does. Um, But no, I'm, I'm, for me, somewhat oddly unworried, which is not to say I'm not worried. I'm totally worried. Uh, but <laughs> relative to where I've been at other times in my life as an Indians fan, I'm not as worried as I maybe would have thought I would be.
0: So we're probably screwed then. I mean, yeah, probably. <laughs> and that's what I'm worried about. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an endless circle. <laughs> so anything else about the ALDS before we move on to the future? Um, the future? Just
1: to spend a minute on the end of David Ortiz's career. Um, fantastic know? player. Uh, never really a guy I liked and so petty or not i took satisfaction in the indians bringing an end to his career um i can only hope that the next time a player i'm not particularly fond of who's going on a ridiculous going away tour uh that the indians can also be the team to end that guy's career
0: is this just the beginning of these stupid tours
1: (laughs) no it's not the beginning it's been going on for a really long time at this point they're
0: well, I think They're, we're still, it's only been more
1: attention than they used to, but Cal Ripken Jr. did all of this stuff.
0: Did he? Okay. Yeah.
1: I was at his last game at Comiskey against the White Sox and, you know, there was a big thing. The media attention on it, I'm sure, is bigger. I think a big part of it is probably the social media. There's a lot more of that stuff than, you know, when Cal Ripken played his last game, that wasn't obviously, wasn't a factor. Um I don't know. I think a lot of it is when it's a Yankee or a Red Sox, it gets even more attention, and so it
0: becomes more aggravating. Uh such a media thing. I think you're right, but I'm. I don't know. They're never going to stop talking about it. I don't think it's going to get worse and worse, and it's going to be. Like, less and less caliber players retiring. Just because it's something to talk about and they get a bunch of attention for it. It's well, what I'm looking for Maybe in 10 to, years while Brandon Geyer's retirement tour. I'm looking forward to the first
1: guy who overplays his hand and announces, like, before the season starts that it's going to be his last season. And then just no one does anything about it. Like, he doesn't get gifts <laughs> from anyone.
0: <laughs> but he's expecting it at every game. Yeah. He's up before the game waving to the crowd. And nobody really cares. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, the other thing. forward to a situation yeah. like that, like Jimmy Rollins
1: this offseason. like next year, my last year, folks, I'm going to be out of here, and then no one is going to do anything for Jimmy Rollins.
0: Because <laughs> it, it's going to happen, I would think. Because for a while, it's going to be no matter who says it, they're going to do a tour, and then they're going to get sick of it, and then yeah, it'll be nice, neat to see who the first one is who hits the wall there. <laughs> so, do you have any general thoughts on the TBS broadcast at all? There was the there's a pretty funny. Tyler Naquin gaff in the first one where they said he was the first outfielder the Indians have ever used in the playoffs, which would explain a lot if it was true, but they meant the first rookie outfielder. They weren't showing pitch counts forever. Their pregame was total garbage. <laughs> I liked, I, I won't say I liked, I didn't mind the in-game announcers too much other than Cal Ripken. Um, but yeah, anything that your particular thoughts on them? Any, um, I, I, take- I,
1: I don't mind the broadcast team they had, which is going to be the same team for the ALCS. Um, I don't think they're great. I also I said this at some point in the comments. I don't think many people are great national baseball announcers. I think, you know, good baseball announcers know their team really really well um, and then, you know, pick up enough about the visiting and they're also mostly talking to fans of their team, which is a very different dynamic than, you know, yeah. trying to broadcast a game nationally. So I it's a different job i don't think very many people are like great national announcers i think the tbs crew is fine
0: yeah Um, but it just got more annoying hearing people complain about it than the actual announcers i think
1: yeah and then in terms of some of the other stuff um i tend not to watch like a lot of pre and post game stuff unless like the indians just won and then i'll watch the post game just to watch indians highlights again um the pitch count thing does legitimately annoy me just because it's at this point becomes such a just normal part of on-screen graphics that when it's missing, I notice it. Mm -hmm. And it's such an easy thing to do that doesn't clutter up the screen or anything like that. Um, And someone was saying like, yeah, don't you have a computer in front of you? You can look at the pitch count whenever you want. It's like, yeah, I have a computer in front of me. I can look at the score anytime I want to. I still prefer that the broadcast have the score on the screen, which of course they do. To me the pitch count is just like another standard thing to have up there. So I was glad that at some point they obviously heard the complaining and realized they were, you know, being stupid about not having it on there and added it. So for the most part I've been fine with TBS. Um, you know, I'm not like, "Ooh, yes, it's on TBS. Awesome." But I'm also not, "Oh, TBS. I'd probably rather watch it on TBS than Fox."
0: Oh yeah, there's no Harold Reynolds. That's that's the big thing. <laughs> he I will legitimately complain about, but I think the big thing with national announcers is just that they're not going to be able to say anything you've never heard about your own team, so it's never going to sound like a compliment no matter what they say. Like, you could see people complaining in real time. Like, they were constantly talking about how good Josh Tomlin won because nobody would say anything. But then when you're talking about something about Clay Buchholz, it was just constant complaining about how biased they are towards the Red Sox. It's like all you hear is the stuff about the other team because you're so used to hearing about your team. Like, you're desensitized yeah. to it almost.
1: Yeah, I agree. And like you said, like, nothing they say about your team more than they've had the opportunity to you've watched so many more innings of your favorite team than they've had the opportunity to um yeah one of the weird things I've realized in the last week is that like I'm just sort of easily annoyed by fans who say stuff different than I would say which in some way (laughs) makes me the bad guy like I'm just not like but there's just been tons of complaining Uh, complaining about the ums, complaining about the announcers, and I'm just like, oh, shut up. You guys, just just let it go. Just watch the game. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I I think a lot of the so-and-so is, you know, like the jokes about, like, Keith Law hates all 30 teams. Every fan base thinks, you know, national guys hate their team. No, they don't. You're just, like you said, you're just so in tune with your own team that hearing someone else talk about it just sounds different, and you... Think the worst of it.
0: Yeah. And I don't even know the end goal of complaining about broadcasters or umpires. Just somebody says, Yeah. And that's it.
1: Well, yeah. Like sometimes it's something <laughs> funny that you're complaining about. And then it's sort yeah, of like, fine. you know, you're, you're having a good laugh about the joke. Like the Nakelin
0: thing. It's just that. But yeah,
1: just like the nonstop, like, oh, they're so biased against Cleveland. And it's like, oh, get over it. I feel like I thought the Cavs winning the championship was supposed to take this small man complex away from Cleveland sports fans, but I don't right. feel like it really did.
0: I don't know how many championships that would take. I think at least every major team in Cleveland oh, would have to win, I exactly. win we, one. I hope that the best we
1: get to find out if two is the number of championships it takes.
0: <laughs> oh, look at you. Was that a guaranteed World Series from Jason Lukar? Well
1: oh, that most certainly was not. <laughs> the Indians could be up three games to none in the World Series, <laughs> and six to nothing in the eighth inning of Game 4, and I would not be willing <laughs> to guarantee they were going to win the World Series.
0: <laughs> we should also point out that both of us picked the Red Sox the World Series to win the World Series in our last episode. Probably yes. a good time to mention that, so... Who cares what we say, anyway? (laughs) No one. Literally no one. Except for Jose Ramirez, who is a confirmed listener of the show. He doesn't care what I
1: say. He cares about something you or someone else associated with the side.
0: (laughs) So anyway, on to the ALCS. The Indians are going to be taking on the Blue Jays. The regular season, you have a post coming up pretty soon about how the whole... We don't have to get too much into it because it's coming, but...
1: But yeah, the gist of it. The Indians... Blue Jays regular season series this year uh, was was pretty great. There was the 19 inning game and the Tyler Naquin walk inside the park walk off home run. We're both against the Blue Jays, so that's you know yeah. arguably the two most memorable games of the season, both against Toronto.
0: Yeah, and the rotations uh, we just learned today it's going to be Kluber, Bauer, Tomlin, and then Clevenger. Mostly but probably a bullpen day type of thing. And Danny Salazar probably will not be available for the AC or ALCS. Uh, on the Blue Jays side of things, they're going to have Estrada, Hap, Sanchez, Stroman, Liriano. He had a concussion. He might be available for like a game two start or maybe a little later. Uh, game one we know is going to be 8 o'clock on Friday. Game two and three we just learned. Game two is on 4 o'clock on Saturday. And game three, 8 o'clock in Canada on Monday. Uh, what are your general thoughts on this series coming up?
1: Uh, well, it's, you know, it's another good team. Um, you know, I think on the whole, when you look at the numbers, having home field I think is is significant. Um the projections I've looked at all have the blue jays as a pretty slight favorite in the series. Uh I was looking at five thirty-eight silver site. Uh and they've got blue jays at fifty-three percent to forty seven percent for the needs. So that's pretty close to a toss-up though. Um so on paper it should be a really competitive series. Um, the pitching, I'm a little surprised to see a starting game one. I feel like I'm missing a piece of information that explains why they'd be going with him.
0: Uh, sure. Are they, been, I was just reading it. I don't know. That, have they confirmed that? I was just reading it in order. Yeah, that no, I that's saw.
1: what I saw. Oh, okay. He's listed as the game one. So what I've looked at has him listed as game one and doesn't have anyone in particular listed for the other games. Um, but... Yeah, play. I mean, I look at their, I look at their pitchers. J. A. Happ, who you know won twenty games, not that that's super significant, but had a three one eight ERA, uh, and Aaron Sanchez, who slowed down a little bit at the end of the year, so that's worth mentioning. But had a 3.0 ERA, uh, and then Estrada was at three four eight, so it's not like he's way far behind them. Um, but his FIP was also the highest of those three, so he doesn't feel like he's you know one of their top two starters, um, and. So I'm a little surprised he's starting Game 1, but I guess I'm happy he's starting Game 1 since I don't think he's one of their two <laughs> best pitchers. Uh, I, he's a good pitcher. They have a good rotation. Um, I don't think any of their guys are, are quite as good as Rick Porcello or um, David Price, and the Indians obviously were able to get to those two guys. But the rotation top to bottom for Toronto has more depth. There's not going to be the Clay Buchholz, uh, you know, guy who looks like a weak link in the chain for them in the rotation.
0: Yeah, I think I just saw... I didn't get a chance to write it down. I just saw it when I was going through stuff. But the Blue Jays are like the first team to have their bullpen lose 30 games and still make it in the playoffs. <laughs> so, if Stevens get to the bullpen, I think that'll be pretty okay. <laughs> just any way to get there. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. 30 games they lost from their bullpen alone.
1: Yeah, I mean, in looking at their bullpen, um, you know, they've been using Liriano in relief a couple times near the end of the season. Um, and then he got hit by that comebacker. In their series against Texas, I think they expect him to be cleared for the ALCS. Although something I read today said he'd be cleared to join the team Saturday, so he yeah. might not be on the team for Game One. But then, um, but I think he'd be used as a reliever um, and give them another lefty. And Roberto or their, sooner their closer, closer was really good for most of the season, um, but he did not look great near the end of the season, which doesn't inspire a lot of confidence, you know, going into the postseason. Um, but yeah, Boston's bullpen, I think, is, is, is pretty much as good as the Indians. Um, maybe the Indians' bullpen's a little better at the end of the year just because they're willing to use Andrew Miller for so many important innings. But on the whole, Boston's bullpen, I feel like, is, is pretty much the equal of Cleveland's. Toronto's bullpen, I don't think, uh, is the equal. And uh, I just pulled up Asuna's numbers. In the last two weeks of the season, um, he had three games where he gave up multiple runs um and a number of other games where he kind of worked around you know multiple base runners so he has not been especially sharp and i know that's a small sample but if you're going to look at a small sample the most recent i think is the most reasonable one to look at i don't know if he's wearing out um but yeah like you said if we can if the indians can get into their bullpen um there should be opportunities to do some late inning damage
0: yeah and um the other, the only thing, the problem is getting to the bullpen, obviously. I don't know. It's going to come up in a question later, so we can talk about it a little bit now. But the they have the sinker baller in Sanchez, who you said he kind of waned off in the season. Jay Hap gets a lot of ground balls, too. Um, the Indians aren't going to be able to use a lot of power. I don't know if they're going to hit that many home runs in this series. Do you think at all, really?
1: Um, I mean, I'm sure they'll hit some home runs. But, yeah, I don't think they're going to you know, be hitting yeah. three home runs a night.
0: <laughs> yeah. If... We're just gonna do some stupid keys to the series. Besides, score more runs and don't let them score runs. I think I have two kind of clear ones. The first one is just run. Um, I posted earlier today about maybe it isn't Russell Martin's arm after Jordan Bassins tweet about uh, release time. The Blue Jays are really the Blue Jays pitchers are really slow at getting the ball out, and then Martin's thrown out like eleven of forty, eleven of sixty-one potential base stealers, and the these of course lead the ALM's base stealing so. Just steal a lot of bases if you can. I don't know when Rajai Davis will be in, but if, if he can get on base, that's going to be big. I think. Um, then another one is just kind of an anecdotal thing: is try to not have an eliminate elimination game in Toronto. It just seems like that place always goes nuts. I would, would not be comfortable down three anything in Toronto. I don't know about you, well, but I mean,
1: yeah. And the thing about that, if there's an eliminate elimination game in Toronto, the Indians are either down three nothing or down three one. So. You yeah. don't want to be down three nothing or three one, no matter where you're going to be playing. So yeah, I agree. <laughs> you don't want an elimination game in Toronto. And yeah. you're right, though. They, you know, it gets loud there. Uh, I think their fans in the last year or two have developed a reputation for being semi out of control at big games. And the, you know, the their series against Texas, um, you know, beers were thrown at a couple, a couple range, or, I'm sorry. Uh, that was they, no, I think of the wild, was Baltimore. wild card game against Baltimore.
0: Yeah, um, that guy turned himself in too. Did he? <laughs> yeah, after they found him, he was yeah. he was an editor for some site, but he turned himself in. I don't <laughs> I know, know what actually happened.
1: Like was. Is that because he's not well, anymore?
0: <laughs> I don't know. He is slash was an editor for some site. Maybe not now. I don't know. Um,
1: uh, yeah, and then the you know the other side of the game, you know, the Indians can score runs off the bullpen if they can get to it. Uh, so one, they got to get to it, and two. They need to have not given up, like, eight runs by the time they get to it. Uh, Toronto's offense, again, not as good as Boston's, um, but they've got a lot of really dangerous hitters. Um, Josh Donaldson has been probably the second-best player in baseball over the last two years behind only Mike Trout, uh, won the MVP last year and will probably finish. He'll finish in the top five again this year, you know, maybe top three. Um, Edwin Encarnacion, uh, who hit 42 home runs this year, uh, Jose Bautista, who had kind of a down year, but is still a, a really big hitter and has had a couple big hits for them already this postseason. Uh, Troy Tulowitzki not as good as he used to be, but still a good player. Uh, Russell Martins, a good hitter. Uh, they've got a, a tough lineup, kind of a top-heavy lineup. The bottom of their lineup isn't especially intimidating. You know, one of the things about Boston is their lineup just sort of didn't let up. Um, so Toronto's, there's a little room to breathe, although we saw Coco Chris fit a home run with the green monster. So you should never breathe too easy in the playoffs, (laughs) but, uh, the heart of Toronto's order is really, really good. Maybe arguably even better than Boston's heart of the order. So there's going to be a lot of tense innings when someone gets on base and the next three players up are all really scary. hitters.
0: yeah, I don't, I don't, like you said, the blue Jays offense is overall worse than the Red Sox, but I think they have kind of an offense that matches up better against the Indians because of all the home runs, because obviously we say it every time, but Tomlin, Bauer, Clevenger, they all go up a lot of home runs, so it's a little worrying, just all those power hitters that they have. I like Batista backflips, but I don't want to see any.
1: They're uh, they're very right-handed heavy. Mm -hmm. Um, Donaldson, Encarnacion, Batista, Tulewitzki, Martin, um, they're all right-handed hitters. They've got uh, Justin Smoke is a switch hitter, and Michael Saunders, one of their outfielders, is a left-handed hitter. Um, but all their big hitters are righty. So, I mean, Andrew Miller can get anyone out. But, you know, there's some concern in the Boston series about they've got a lot of really good lefties. And Miller can't pitch to all of them. He can only pitch to each of them once or whatever. Um, that threat doesn't really exist with Toronto. So, at least there's that.
0: And It's super stupid small sample sizes. But the 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 Blue Jays have gotten to Andrew Miller pretty well. Uh, overall. 16 for 67 in their careers. I mean, it's still really small, but what is all the seven home runs altogether in that time. He's walked nine of them, only struck out 18. So, again, it's really small, but compared to how much Andrew Miller dominates everybody else, that right-handed heavy lineup might be a little bit of trouble for him, I think.
1: Right. Yeah, we'll see. They, you know, again, they they scored a lot of runs against the Indians in the, the games they played this year, in part because they scored, like, 17 of them in one game. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Josh Donaldson had a, a huge year against the Indians. Uh, Troy Tulewitzki was really good against the Indians. Um, so, yeah, they're a top-heavy lineup, um, but the, the heavy part of that lineup is very heavy.
0: Would you call – I'm trying to think of any other teams before I ask this question. I don't think so. What, between The series between the Indians and – Blue Jays in the regular season, no matter what happens in the postseason, would you call it the best matchup? The Indians, just the most exciting one to watch. I can't think of another one that was, that had so many great games as this one did.
1: Yeah. I mean, in terms of None like of the they played seven games against each other and you know, I think like five of the seven were one run games. The Indians got destroyed the game after the marathon. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, the games were all close and uh, yeah, a lot of big moments, big hits for both teams uh, yeah, I think. I mean, it's. A, it, I know TBS isn't thrilled about it because the Indians have no fans, and the Blue Jays play in Canada, where the games aren't aired on TBS. Um, but I think,
0: I just, think of yeah,
1: like you know, sub objectively, if you didn't know anything about big markets, you didn't know who were superstars, uh, you know, things like that. I think it's it, it should be a fun series. It would be a fun series to watch without any rooting interest so that you don't have to be super stressed out the whole time. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm glad the Indians are in it. I'm glad I have a rooting interest. Um, but, you know, sometimes two teams are playing, and if you don't care about either of them, it's like, I don't want to watch this game. I feel <laughs> yeah. like if you're not an Indians or a Blue Jays fan, uh, this would still be a, a compelling series.
0: Yeah, a small part of me misses, a very, very small part, misses not knowing I'm going to be stressed out in a couple days. Because <laughs> I love playoff anything, like playoff, finale, anything. Mm-hmm, when the Indians are in it or any of my teams, it's just so stressful to watch. Like, every single time a ball moves, I'm dying. <laughs> so, did you watch uh, any other series at all?
1: Yeah, I mean, I like, I've got a job that requires me to get up reasonably early. So, I'm not staying up till like, midnight to watch a game that the Indians aren't in. At least not until, like, the World Series. Um, so... The LDS games that are like the late games, I didn't stay up and watch the ending of all those. But otherwise, I watched a pretty good amount of baseball. Um, Yeah, I'm pretty up to speed on what's been going on. Because, again, there's not going to be any significant baseball for a while after the next three weeks. So I'll fit in whatever I can get in the meantime.
0: Yeah, Normally, at this time of the year, when the Indians aren't in it, I always... But they didn't a losing season. It kind of drags on. It's like, okay, that's, I'm done now. But then I get really excited about baseball again in the postseason, and then the season's over. <laughs> but this year's been exciting all year long, so I think it'll still be fulfilling at the end when it's over. But I was gonna oh, watching, what was it, the Dodgers and their bullpen usage, it's painful after what Terry Francona did. I don't know how much of that game you watched, but just well, leaving people in like too long. Last and Last
1: night, who like, brought yes. in five different relief pitchers before <laughs> getting two outs in the ninth, their bullpen. I do not feel the smallest bit bad for Giants fans because they've gotten to watch their team win the world series three times this decade. Um, But if you could isolate that from just what's gone on in the last like three months for the Giants, they had the best record in baseball at the all-star break. They had a better record than the Cubs at the all-star break. Um, Their bullpen in the second half was just like shockingly bad. And so, the way they ended up losing last night was like the least surprising way they could possibly have lost. Their bullpen couldn't hold a three-run lead in the ninth inning despite 17 different pitchers being brought in. None of them could get anything done.
0: Yep. Yeah. That was a fun series to watch overall. I didn't and watch after, much of game.
1: Like, like, we've got, uh, I mean, by the time yeah. this is up, two nights. Uh, there's going to be game five between the Dodgers and Nationals. And that's, yeah, I love a game like that. That It's a big game, huge game for both teams. Um I don't have a massive rooting interest in. I can just, like, hope for good baseball and cool stuff to happen.
0: Yeah. I, I'm I'm a fan of the wildcard game probably more than I think a lot of people are. But Game 5 eliminations or Game 7 eliminations are so much more exciting because there's already the history of everything that's happened and it all kind of comes to this one thing. I love elimination anything pretty much. Yep. Agreed. And it's kind of neat, speaking of other teams and their rooting interests. everyone wants the Indians to win. <laughs> other than... I think I've seen like the twins. Twinkie Town doesn't want the Indians to win because I mean it's Indians, but other than like rivals, I know a lot of Yankees fans want the Indians to win because of Andrew Miller and everybody else wants the Indians to win because of the underdog and yeah, not, I mean our
1: our sister Dodgers. sites, uh, yeah. Over the Monster, the Red Sox site and Maccabi Chronicles, the Giants site, both had like now that our team is out, who should we cheer for? And both of them pick the Indians.
0: Yeah, well, Pinchtoy Ballet just straight up wrote a post that they're cheering for the Indians. Because <laughs> we have Andrew Miller, so they love that guy. I can't blame Actually him.
1: least so. I mean, I I feel like any Indians fan who was, like, bothered by the trade at the time, at this point,
0: not be like, now. No. can't
1: even really remember, like, wait, what? No, it's fine. Whatever. We, we gave up. What? No, I don't care. Like, <laughs> take all of our prospects. Just let us have Andrew Miller.
0: He's such a natural fit. It doesn't. Like, it doesn't feel like Brandon... I know Brandon Geyer was traded for. It. It's very clear. It doesn't feel like he's been there forever. But Andrew Miller it just seems like he's been an Indian. It's already hard to imagine. Maybe it's because he grew a beard after getting traded. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But he just feels like he's always been an Indian already. And I can't wait for, like, two more years of this.
1: Yeah, that's, and as I was just going to say, he's under contract for two more years. So.
0: And so was Geyer, too, on that note. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Rayburn 2.0 with defense, and it's great. So, anything else about... ALCS, other DS games, anything like that before we move on to social media questions?
1: No. Uh, depending on how the series goes, we'll, we'll maybe podcast again in the middle of the series. And uh, But no, like in terms of looking ahead of it, on paper, they're evenly matched teams. Uh, it should be a good series.
0: Yep. So... Uh, every, well, I would say Thursday, but now whatever the hell we record, uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask out questions for Twitter and Facebook. You can always also email us, send us any kind of message for a question that you want us to answer. We usually get a good amount of them. We try to answer as many as possible. Uh, this week we've got almost all of them are based on the ALDS or ALCS, I should say. Um, but the first one is a little unique. I figured since it's history, I would let you do all the research for this one. Um, <laughs> so basically... As Nancy
1: the person who lived through everything we're about to talk about.
0: As the 80-year-old on this podcast. <laughs> Nancy Holes on Facebook. She wants to know, how do Francisco Lindor's first two seasons statistically compare the first two seasons of Omar Vizquel? Which, of course, everybody loves Omar Viscal. It's kind of like an old lady thing at this point. I guess it's because a lot of them, they were like our age when Omar was big. But, yeah. I think Lindor's taken over his spot. not taking over it but he's in the process of taking over the the spot everyone's gonna love as they get older and they're gonna remember fondly about him so how does it compare jason
1: uh he's better than omar viskel was i mean first let's just take a look at lindor's numbers for his first two seasons um he played in 257 games uh which matches up pretty well with omar viskel who played in uh 224 games in his first two seasons uh but lindor uh, through those two seasons, has a 306 batting average, a 356 on base percentage, 454 slugging, uh, and his OPS plus is 111. Um, Omar Vizquel in his first two seasons, um, hit 231 with a 281 on base percentage, a 276 slugging percentage, and an OPS plus of 57. Um, so by OPS plus, Francisco Lindor has almost literally been twice as good a hitter as Vizquel was. Um, and of course, there's the defense. Um, <laughs> Which is ridiculous. The defense, you know, looking at all of the advanced metrics, they rate out pretty close. Um, but again, Lindor's defensive numbers are better. Um
0: is it, it really Francisco that close, Lindor's though?
1: also a year younger than Omar Vizquel was during his first two seasons. It's worth pointing out, because I think a lot of Indians fans don't realize this or have forgotten this. Omar Vizquel's first two seasons were not with the Indians. His first five seasons weren't with the Indians. He was with the Mariners at the beginning of his career before he came over. Um, honestly, Francisco Lindor's first two seasons put together and... I say this even though, I mean, Lindor didn't even play all of last year. His first one and two third seasons are as good as the two best seasons of Omar Vizquel's career, Um, which does not mean Lindor is necessarily going to have a better career. Vizquel was a good player for a really long time. Um, He was still, when he was 39 with the Giants, was still a well above average player. Um, So Lindor's got a ways to go to catch him. Um, But yeah, Francisco Lindor has already with his first two seasons bested Omar Vizquel's two best seasons.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> there you go, Nancy. So basically really good. Uh, <laughs> he compares very well to Omar. I think other than something going off the rails, we can kind of say Lindor's probably gonna pass Omar, right?
1: I mean his peak is going to be better than Omar's no matter what. Uh, yeah, in terms we
0: of we can't tell value,
1: Lindor's you know gonna have to play like another seven or eight years to catch his career value um so yeah Lindor needs to play above average baseball until he's 30 and he'll definitely even if he's never again as good as he was this year above average till he's 30 he'll have had a better career than Omar Mascow
0: yep so next question uh Chris Polyam on Facebook asks what potential World Series opponent do the Indians match up against the best do you have an answer in mind after just hearing it or do you want me to go first
1: uh, I have an answer in mind. I would tend to think we're going to agree, but since I just babbled about the first question, I'll let you go first.
0: <laughs> I'm saying nationals just because they're beat up <laughs> basically in the same boat as the Indians. It's either uh, at this point, it's the Cubs nationals or Dodgers. I think Cubs and Dodgers are really good. The nationals are just beat up at this point. If they don't get eliminated tomorrow, <laughs> I think if somehow they make it to the world series, the Indians could take them pretty easily. What about well,
1: you? I won't go so far as to think to say I think the Indians could take anyone. Well, yeah.
0: compared uh, but to I'm the
1: Cubs, the Nationals would be the best matchup. Um, them being banged up is a big part of that. Um, Stephen Strasburg might not be able to get back this season, and if he does, who knows how effective he's going to be? Well, he had uh, a
0: setback, so probably not. It's it's yeah, looking worse so and worse.
1: That's an interesting matchup in that they have Max Scherzer. The Indians have Corey Kluber, and then they've got some injuries. The Indians have some injuries. Um, You know, they've got some good hitters to the Indians. I I think that's a pretty good matchup. I think – I do think the Indians are a little better than the Nationals. Um, You know, I think on paper that would be a pretty close matchup, and I think that would be the best matchup for the Indians. Um, And, you know, like you said, they could be eliminated tomorrow night, but they've got Scherzer going tomorrow, and the Dodgers have Rich Hill, who's been pretty good, um, but isn't Max Scherzer good. So they'll be in Washington. You know, at this point, the Nationals are the favorite to win that game. I think the Cubs are going to beat the Nationals or whoever they play. Um, But yeah, I think the Nationals of the three teams that are left, as we're speaking, would be the best matchup. Yep.
0: At D. Haynes1 on Twitter wants to know, your predictions for a surprise breakout performance from both teams. So looked up a little bit for this already. So I'll take this one first. Um, So for the Indians, I'm going to say Mike Napoli. He hasn't been great in the playoffs so far. He's two for 12. I was going to say he was not great in August, but he's been surprisingly pretty good. Um, September he was bad. but So this series, I think, is going to be the one where he asserts himself in the playoff run one way or another, either either it's just a couple big home runs or a bunch of home runs. I think this is finally where Mike Napoli is going to pay off in the postseason. I hope, anyway. <laughs> I would like, of all the Indians players, even though he's been here for less than a year, he's one of the biggest ones I want to just suddenly come out and be great in the playoffs, just because of how much everybody already loves him and, the whole party in Naples thing. And for the Blue Jays, for a very important reason, I'm going to say Justin Smoke. Just so my 2010 Justin Smoke Mariners jersey can be relevant, I want him <laughs> to be great for a series. <laughs> Maybe I can yeah. dig it out of the closet.
1: Sometime this offseason, when we don't have actual baseball to discuss, we can discuss why on earth you have a Justin Smoke
0: 2010 <laughs> Mariners jersey. Okay. Uh, as we'll leave our, that out there for now. Players
1: uh, on the Toronto side. Um, I'll say, I mean, I don't know if Troy Tulewitzki counts, like he's been he a counts. star player, but he's not great anymore. He's not having, a, you know, he's having a good, but not great season. Uh, if he counts, I guess I would say him. I would count. Um, if you've got to go farther down, Russell Martin seems like the kind of player t- to aggravate me with coming up with a lot of big hits. Uh, and the Indian side, oh, gosh, I don't know. Like Jose Ramirez doesn't count. He's too
0: good at this point. Um, it's really difficult on the Indians, isn't it? <laughs> I, yeah, I just kind of landed on Napoli because I circled through everybody else.
1: Right. And I mean, and Napoli hit like 30-some home runs this year. So it's like a weird... I mean, I guess if we're not talking about... I mean, the Indians don't have a, an offensive superstar. So I guess on some level, any of their hitters, you know, kind of count as whoever has the best series can be identified. It's not like, well, of course, Barry Bonds had a good season. He's Barry Bonds. They don't have anything yeah. quite like that. Uh, I'll say that... I'll say Jose Ramirez then. I mean, he's just, he's, he's been so good lately. Um, so he wouldn't be like a big shock player, but, and if I'm picking a shock player, I guess I'm saying, I think Michael Martinez is going to hit a Ugh. single at some point, but um, <laughs> I think Jose Ramirez is going to have a- The best series uh, offensively for the Indians.
0: I would love that. I love every time announcers talk about Jose Ramirez and are surprised by how good he's been. That happened multiple times in the ALDS. And Jose. They were just looking at something he recently did or altogether.
1: If you're listening, Jose, you can unblock Let's Go Tribe now.
0: (laughs) Jason doesn't run it anymore. All those mean things he said, I won't let him say them again. You can unblock us.
1: If I ever meet him, I'm going to ask him now, like, hey, why did you block Let's Go Tribe? And he's going to be like, oh, there's this guy, Matt. And (laughs) man. I'd be like, oh, say no more, say no more.
0: <laughs> I'm going to retweet it and make it your background image and just so everybody can see and do it.
1: <laughs> One of my favorite is a random moment that has nothing to do with baseball, but random moment, uh, I think it was game three, and and Jose was was sitting in the dugout watching the game, yes. <laughs> had his helmet off, and uh, was it Carrasco? Yep. I think it was Carlos Carrasco was just like – combing his hair for him and that was really that was a moment i really enjoyed <laughs> i
0: don't know what that was oh they were still watching the game it wasn't like he was doing anything he was just sitting there and crasco was fluffing up his hair the announcers mentioned i mean shut up but they were saying don't get ready for the post-game interview already You're like shut up but i guess that's what he was doing just in case but he would have put his helmet on again so it wouldn't have made sense i don't know that was just great maybe he just wanted his hair fluffed in between innings who knows?
1: It probably feels good to have your hair fluffed.
0: Yeah, I, I haven't had hair for a th- few years, so I wouldn't know. But I'm sure it feels great. Thanks, Jason.
1: <laughs> I'm running my fingers through my hair right now, and it <laughs> does feel pretty good.
0: I can get hair around the sides if I wanted to, so <laughs> it still counts. I can just look like. Have you ever seen a baby when they're some babies? They don't grow hair <laughs> yes, on the top they of their heads. Exactly what you're about. It's the right best. <laughs> anyway. Next question at random man, any rand oh random man there we go will <laughs> Cleveland drown out the traveling Blue Jays fans this weekend?
1: Oh, I that's a valid question. I was in <laughs> Cleveland for one of those games in August. Uh, unfortunately, not the one that featured the inside the park <laughs> run. Um, there were a ton of Toronto fans there, and they were yeah. obnoxious as all get out. So. I don't know the answer to that. I would like to think that uh, Indians fans bought all the tickets initially.
0: Tickets sold out um, right away. Like yeah, seconds. so I would
1: like to think there weren't a lot of Blue Jays, and boy, I would really like to think a bunch of people haven't sold their tickets on the secondhand market.
0: There will Probably be some
1: soon. Blue Jays fans there, hopefully, but my gosh, it can't mm-hmm. be anything like it was in August. It was I. I haven't been to that many games in Cleveland, um, but I, I mean, I've seen them play the Red Sox there and there were, dr- there were dramatically more Blue Jays fans this August than there were Red Sox fans. When I saw him play Boston, you know, five years ago or so.
0: I think the fact that hockey starting is a legitimate reason that maybe it'll help a little bit. I know the Blue Jays in the postseason, but how many, especially with, I don't know if, if you follow hockey at all, but it was Austin Matthews, the, um, the Maple Leafs. They drafted him first pick. He had, like four goals tonight. <laughs> so for once Canadian hockey fans have something to cheer about. So maybe they already forgot about the blue Jays and maybe they <laughs> will not want to go to an Indians game. So true.
1: <laughs> I guess the, the counterfact to that is the Browns will play at some point. So who knows what okay. Cleveland fans will be doing.
0: Cause all those great Cleveland Ooh, hey, players. Sunday.
1: Sunday's a travel day. There's no game on Sunday. The Indians won't assuming the Browns are playing on Monday night football or something like that. I wouldn't know, but uh,
0: they won't <laughs> who have to would schedule games. the Browns on Monday night football. They'll be on Thursday night because every team has to be on Thursday night game. (laughs) Next question Uh, at Metro Marsh. He wants to know how many homers does each team hit in the series. We could do this one of two ways. You could do total, or you could do like per game what you think. Because if you're doing total, you have to also have to guess how many games. So how many per game do you think each team will have? Just about
1: (laughs) per game is weird though because now we got to even get it like in like decimal fractions. I'm just gonna go total. Uh, Okay. I will say the Blue Jays will hit nine home runs and the Indians will hit seven home runs, and you can infer I'm expecting a series that doesn't just go four or five games.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's about. It. I was saying the Blue Jays will hit, cause like some people, I did per game. <laughs> I was saying like maybe just the two home runs are just a shade under two games, or two home runs a game, and the Indians will be like half a home run per game lower, so they will hit. Not a significant amount less, but but yeah, it's because I mean, again,
1: if the series goes like six games, that's
0: pretty close. Probably to about the same, saying. yeah. Because Bauer, Tomlin, yeah. Clavajir obviously home runs, and they have Edwin, and Encarnacion, and Jose Batista. Yeah, I mean during the regular it's, season, hey,
1: and I, and I and I mentioned Russell Martin, in here I just looked up, he hit three home runs against the Indians this year, which doesn't have any real predictive value. Uh, and then our Encarnacion Smoke, Tulawitsky, Donaldson, and Melvin Upton each hit two home runs. Yep. Um so that's 13 home runs they hit in those 7 games all by the same 6 players. Jose Bautista <laughs> yeah. uh, what I'm looking at Jose Bautista didn't even play against the Indians this year. I know he missed Uh-oh. some games. I don't I don't re- I didn't realize he missed all of both series that the two teams played. But Jose Bautista <laughs> did not play against the Indians this year.
0: Must have been scared that's why.
1: <laughs> <You said laughs> now if
0: this the podcast he's going to be motivated, damn it. What did I do? I know truth. he listens because of course he does,
1: and he doesn't block anyone on Twitter,
0: so <laughs> he will just confront you on Twitter. Okay, last question, very important. Uh, Matt McPhee on Facebook wants to know what are Jonathan Lucroy's favorite off-season hobbies. <laughs> I said sitting on a cool mattress, crying, and regretting.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm going to go the wet blanket route and say um, appreciating the fact that he had some small amount of control
0: over.
1: I I didn't want to bring it up before because I know you're taking a lot of pleasure in it. But the Jonathan LaCroix bashing is another thing that at some point in the last few days I reached my limit for. And I just I don't need to listen to Indians fans talk about Jonathan LaCroix anymore. We've outlasted him. We've beaten him. Uh, At this point, he can be beneath us. We don't need to be bothered by making fun of him anymore. We have Roberto Perez who cares about Jonathan LaCroix.
0: Did you at least see Lucroy's last tweet, which was kind of unfortunate for him and funny for everyone else?
1: I did not. I do not. Like, the last
0: it. thing he did before, like, going dark for the playoffs was he tweeted on a mattress, like, saying, thanks for the cool mattress, company. So now his last thing is just, like, him sitting on a mattress playing a video game, which is probably what he's doing in the offseason. It's just kind of funny considering our early one out. But how do you not like Jonathan LeCroix bashing? It's fun. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it, feels, it feels like small man stuff to me again. It was funny for a while, and I even retweeted, like – Someone had a good a joke that I thought was really funny um but yeah, I don't know at this point i'm I'm happy that he's not in the team. I like the team the way it is. I don't really like Jonathan Lecroix outside of him being a good player um so i'm i'm I am i i do not know why you hate Roberto Perez so much that you have to continue to harp <laughs> on the fact that we're stuck with him as the catcher really that's what this comes down to
0: that is straight libel right there. I can sue you for that <laughs> well. <laughs>
1: I would use all of your Jonathan LaCroix bashing as evidence that you badly want him on the team.
0: I wanted LaCroix as the first baseman D.E.H., obviously, because that's what he would play if he was on the Indians.
1: Well, now you're telling Mike Napoli you said that. (laughs) He's going to block Let's Go Tribe. You're not going to be invited to the party.
0: Just Me and LaCroix will be the only ones on Twitter talking to each other now. I don't want to go to the party anyway. (laughs) So that's our Twitter. That's our Twitter. That's all the questions we have. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. I don't really ask anywhere else. We never get emails, but that's what we got. And you know, I don't ask in the comments because I know people just answer them anyway. <laughs> people don't see them on Twitter. So we get a chance to answer them before the people do. In case anybody ever wondered why we don't ask, I did it the first time I asked, like, I think when I posted the one podcast, I asked for questions there, but people would ask them and then other people would answer them and there was no point. So that's why we don't do it there. So anything interesting coming up for you uh, before you're going to be constantly clenched for the playoffs?
1: No, I've got to get through two work days. I'll, I'll watch game five tomorrow and, uh, yeah, and then I'll stress out for four to seven games. Or four, <laughs> to four to 14 games.
0: Yeah. Wait, four to four? Oh, yeah. Hopefully. Kind of blanked on what you meant there. So do you watch hockey at all or no?
1: No. I, no. I, uh, in, the, in, the, in, in the hockey playoffs are going on, Like, I'll sometimes put a game on while I'm doing something else. Uh, I will watch zero minutes of regular season hockey. The playoffs will roll around, and I'll be like... Actually, what will happen is Yammer Yager will still be playing. And I'll be like, ah, see, I still know hockey. Because Yammer <laughs> Yager, 20,000 years later, is still playing somehow for reasons I don't really understand. Uh,
0: there's him, there's no, a basketball but, version of him, but I can't think of who it is. It's somebody where every year I'm surprised he's playing. Is it Vince Carter? Is he still playing?
1: I don't think so. And Vince Carter has not been around, even if he is. Yammer Yager legitimately like was playing in like the 1991 Stanley Cup finals when you were like... <laughs> Three one. months old or something like that. That would have been one.
0: Yeah, Vince Carter still plays. He's on the Grizzlies. Right. Fair <laughs> he's enough. my every year. I'm like, oh, Vince Carter still plays. Yeah, but I'm the same boat as you with Yager too. I don't follow. I haven't followed hockey close lately, but every year, even when I don't follow it, I notice Yamer Yager's playing because <laughs> he's just so damn old. Yeah, I don't have anything interesting either. Just going to be watching the Indians, hopefully winning. Yeah. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you. Either in between the LCS or afterwards, depending on how quickly it goes. See you then.